cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Still the clean record, hope got all right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Hey, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day and listening. We appreciate you taking time out of throwing bricks through windows and protesting and spray painting memorials of the people you don't even know who they are. We definitely appreciate you guys uh, listening and joining joining us today. And as always, we really appreciate that intro music from Carlton Zeus. You can check out more Carlton's music at www carltonzeus.com and over on uh, Apple Music. So I'm going to hand over to Roger. Roger's going to get it started off today. We've got a grab bag of items, so buckle up. Hey, thanks, Josh. Good afternoon, everybody. It's, uh, you know, it's been another busy week, right? We still got the COVID out there. We've, uh, Josh mentioned, we got some statues and stuff being torn down. I think I might go find some random statues in my own town of some people I don't know and then tear them down and then ask, you know, later, you know, hey, by the way, who was that guy or, or gal or whatever. But uh, before we get to the pressing news, we actually got a, we got a little, you know, late breaking news here. If I had a little Fox News, dun dun dun, because you hear it like every, you know, 30 minutes now. Uh, we got a little, uh, little fat boy contest going on here right josh luke so i want uh luke why don't you why don't you give us a little background of kind of you know your current disposition where we're sitting at and uh you know what you're what you're looking to obtain here well with the coming revolution i figured it's probably time to get better <laughs> shape but the real motivation is i'm looking in the mirror every day looking like uh 214 pounds of chewed bubble gum and uh, Roger is uh, pretty good shape. He's pretty svelte. He's a thin guy. And so he started uh, kind of giving <laughs> me and Josh a hard time about uh, a couple pounds we put on over the years. And uh, so Josh and I said, you know what, let's let's make this public, you know, as extra motivation. So Josh and I are going to take 90 days starting today uh, to see who loses the most percentage of, of body weight uh, as of. This afternoon, uh, I weighed 214 pounds. Uh, I'm not going to even say how much I'd want to lose. I guess ideally maybe 20. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm 214. <laughs> We're going to go until September 4th. Wait in today. We'll probably weigh in halfway through. Or if the audience wants it, we'll give we'll give weekly updates on how much we weigh. And uh, then we're going to see, based on percentage, uh, who lost the most weight. And um, what do you think, Josh? I mean, you're on board with this, right? All 223 pounds of red-blooded American muscle, gun tote, and freedom-loving. I'll be absolutely. And uh, I think we're going to wager a bottle of bourbon or something like that, right? Yeah. So what we'll do is, um, so you know, we'll keep it to uh, to a hundred dollars. I don't want you to have to spend all of your, uh, you know, all of your government cheese on me um, when I blow you out of the water. So yeah, so we limited it to a hundred dollar, you know, a hundred, no more than a hundred dollars, and uh, you know, a bottle of uh, the buyers of the losers' choice, um, or you want to do winners' choice? It doesn't matter to me. Winners' choice. All right, winners' choice. No more than a hundred dollars. And we're setting up a uh, pool on uh, Bodog, the gambling site. So the over unders will probably come out in the next couple of days. And uh, we'll see who's going <laughs> to. I'm, I'm personally going on the Christian Bale from the Machinist diet. I bought myself six pounds of celery today, uh, two, two cartons of cigarettes, and a bunch of coffee. That's all I'm having for the next 90 days. I'm going to be looking like Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club, man, driving along in my car crying. <laughs> that's, that, that's Josh's plan right there, right? He's just going to go get AIDS. 
and <laughs> drop them out. <laughs> hey man, I'm gonna just hey, there's I think there's a I think there's a house down the street from me that uh I could probably get some meth at, man. I can I can knock this out in about a week. Um and if that if that doesn't work, I think I'll go down the street to this nursing home where all the COVID patients are and uh see if I can get some see if I can get some COVID nineteen. Well, because diarrhea is a, a new symptom, right? According to the CDC today, diarrhea, diarrhea is a new symptom. symptom so go down COVID, there, yeah. get you some of that COVID, some of that meth, and uh, you know, shit your brains out, and you know, dude, it was uh, so. Somebody at my wife's work was talking about how a family member of theirs, you know, an extended family member had COVID, or it was somebody that worked there on on post or something had COVID. Dude, in ten days, dropped twenty six pounds. In ten days. Oh shit. Dude, give me dude, give me the Rona. (laughs) (laughs) So so we're gonna have Rona bodies when we get done with this thing, right? Going into Labor Day weekend. And 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 Josh has already tried to tip the scales, you know, figuratively, or maybe literally, maybe a little bit of both. But uh, you know, he's doing that that big plump up, you know. He's uh you know, he's trying to go into it, you know, heavy with his his bear claws and his ho hos and, and that way when he sees that initial loss, you know, it'd be that that six or seven pounds. But it, it's kind of funny for the listeners out there because uh you know, we probably get on what video chat maybe what two, three times a week, maybe three times a week at, at most or whatever. And every time we get on this thing, Luke is eating. Luke is fixing dinner. It can be nine o'clock in the morning and Luke is like, What are you doing, man? I'm fixing dinner. I'm like, you just had dinner. He was like, well, no, I, I, I only eat once a day. I'm like, really? Like, every time we get on there, you're, you're, you're eating dinner. God. You know, yeah, that's part of the problem. And I, I started fixing that tonight. Uh, tonight. I, I usually eat. This is what makes you fat faster than anything else. And this is not a weight loss episode, by the way. We're going to get to some actual <laughs> topics with some meat on. But I eat at like 11 o'clock at night. And then I sit there on the couch while I'm eating, watching TV, watch a little bit more. And I go to bed like at one in the morning, get up at 637. That is not good, man. That will make you fat. So, yeah, I changed that tonight, 8, eight at about 7.30. So, yeah, good start. Yeah, and, and I hate to fat shame you because, I mean, at least Josh has an excuse, you know, excuse. You know, most veterans, when they first get out, you know, if you ever serve loop, you know, you get that, you get that first, you know, <laughs> they call it that, you know, that freshman 15 or whatever. I mean, I get it. You know, I got out and once I, uh, I didn't quit once I retired, I, you know, put on that extra seven, 10 pounds or whatever. So I was up around 215 and then, you know, finally got my, my shit back together and got in a rhythm and, you know, still got a ways to go, but you know, he said, I don't like fat shaming. And then he starts to fat shame. I love it. (laughs) I love it. But you know what? Hey, whatever works, man, whatever it takes. Anyway, under under the topic, (laughs) what's that, Josh? I was going to say my excuse is that uh, North Carolina governor Cooper closed the gyms uh, for, for coronavirus and uh, they they haven't been open forever. Um, That and, Damn, man, you know, the drive-thru, the only thing open were drive-thru. So, you know, you had to, you know, go through the drive-thru and eat in your car. Get those two dozen donuts and eat in the car. (laughs) Hey, man, those donut holes ain't going to eat themselves. Well, part of the problem with your gym excuse is you actually had to go to the gym before it was closed. So, yeah, I tried to use that excuse myself. And I was like, you know, because my wife, she's like, hey, you know, uh, tell you to haul ass, you know, you got to make two trips. You're starting to get a little, uh, you know, a little pudgy around the gut there and. Like, you know, well, babe, the gyms are closed here. She's like, you didn't have a membership before they closed. So I was like, oh, well, all right. You know, say, so, you know, not a real good excuse, but 
Best of luck to both of you. Uh, I don't know who I'm, I'm actually betting on. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I got to tell you this for the listeners out there. So, you know, we did a, a recruiting, you know, podcast a, a couple weeks ago, I guess almost a month ago now, a month and a half ago, whatever. And, and one of the two other folks on here between Luke and Josh, one of them have already reached out to me secretly uh, from some of the uh, recruiting tips on losing weight and, and body fat percentage. So you guys can, can, you know, hash that out, take a guess listeners uh, who actually already reached out. Uh, I would probably go with Josh, but you know, you guys can, uh, you guys can debate that on Facebook. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> Hey, preparation age and the green monster, man. That's that's all you need. Uh, so anyway, on to more serious news, right? So let's talk about Mike Flynn. So everybody kind of knows what's been going on. I think the last uh, time we, we spoke to him or spoke about him and that topic, um, you know, the Department of Justice had said, you know, let's dismiss this. We're not going to prosecute. And then, of course, as we get more and more into this, because to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, if, if the Department of Justice or the prosecutor says, hey, we're not going to prosecute. I, I mean, I don't know why you keep I mean how do you force them to prosecute? So let's say the judge, judge Sullivan, right. Is, is like, well, no, I don't give a shit. You're, you're doing it. So, I mean, you're going to force the government or, or anybody, right. You're going to force somebody who doesn't want to prosecute to prosecute. I mean, at that point you just throw the case, right. Uh, I mean, I know nobody likes to lose or whatever, but if you don't see clear grounds for it. Uh, so anyway, you know, they asked for all these, uh, amicus briefings and this and that. And, uh, you know, I guess one of the judges that was appointed by judge Sullivan reviewed the case uh, came back with his amicus briefing and said that uh, it shouldn't be dismissed. And his reasoning behind it, he had two, and I didn't understand the first one. The first one's kind of bullshit. It's just kind of like, well, you know, I kind of looked into it, and I just basically think that, you know, it shouldn't be dismissed. But his second reason uh, was that there was clear evidence that there was abuse of prosecutorial power, and you have to try to preserve justice. Now, Typically, that was brought up, like, especially back in, like, the days of the mob and the mafia and, you know, you're around prohibition because what was happening is, you know, friends of the court, right? Friends of the judge, friends of the prosecutor, you know, somebody comes in office, oh, he's my buddy, and they just throw the case out. So that's kind of where that stems from. And and so that's what this judge was going to was the fact that, oh, well, you know what? He's a uh, he's a Trump guy. So because he's a Trump guy and, you know, Barr's obviously a Trump guy that, no, this shouldn't be dismissed. You should be forced to prosecute. Now, going a little bit farther uh, on that. It went up to the, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Luke, I think it went up to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and two of the three judges actually ordered the lower court, uh, Judge Sullivan, to dismiss the charge. Now, I don't know, did they actually order him to dismiss it, or they recommend it, or how does that even work? I think two of the three uh, ordered it, and then the third one said they're grievously overstepping their bounds or something like that. That's that's my understanding of it. I, I think I just read that literally right before we got on this podcast. So yeah, they ordered it, but you know, I, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't know where it goes from here. Do you Josh? No, I don't. I saw the same thing. I saw that they ordered it, but where it goes from here, I don't know. Um, you know, cause I mean, even, you know, you, you would think even after the, the, the DOJ came out and was like, you know, dismiss it, that Sullivan would have been like, you know, okay, dismiss it, but we're going to let politics play out here. But I think the, you know, the big thing on Flynn that a lot of people still haven't accepted um, and haven't really looked at is not, you know, where it goes from here, who should order what, you know, closed and, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, when you take a look at Strzok's notes, you, you have, you have a president and a vice president at the time who basically, you know, ordered and drove an investigation in not only into a private U.S., a private citizen, but a member of the opposing political party, right? 
during a transition. This is during a transition. So, you know, they came out and then Strzok's notes were, you know, Comey said, Comey apparently stated that, you know, the calls between Flynn and Kislyak were, quote, appear legit, right, end quote. So this was after the counterintelligence investigation had already been, you know, recommended to be closed that Strzok, you know, pushed back on and said, no, keep it open, right? So now we have the director saying that they, they appeared legit. We have the CI guy saying, hey, we looked at it, and there's just nothing there. And now you have the president at the time saying, tell, you know, telling the director of the FBI to, quote, have the right people on it and look into it, right? So are we, are we really just going to pass up and let go the fact that a sitting president and vice president directed the federal bureau of investigation to look into a political opponent. Like, I, I mean, you know, to me, that's absolutely insane. Um, and I, you know, do we just burn the whole system down from here or like, you know, BLM wants to, or, or what do we do? Like, cause people just don't seem to care anymore at this point. And that just, it boggles my mind. We just had an impeachment, right. On something very similar to that. I mean, I, you know, ideally it wasn't exactly the FBI, but I thought we just went through an impeachment on that. And, and Josh, I think you hit it on the head. You know, I mean, here's the bottom line. Biden lied. I mean, he straight up lied. And I've watched that video probably 15 times now. And even the media, it's crazy because you're getting no press about it, uh, you know, from the major networks. But you're starting to see some, you know, a little bit of rumblings, especially in the underground and, and, and social media to where they're replaying. I think it was the ABC interview or whatever, where Biden and, and this is quoted from that. You know, I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn. I was aware that there was that they had asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. I don't think I don't think I know anything else. So, I mean, he sits there and he's like, I, I when you look at the unmasking. Right. So unmasking eight days before uh, I think it was eight days before the inauguration. When you look at, you know, he's the one who brought up the Logan Act. I mean, I think that was in the notes. Right. They they, yep. they had Vice President Biden's like, well, hey, I think, you know, we've got a Logan Act violation here or what have you. So he brings that up. And I think at that point, I mean, you're transitioning right now. Try to put myself in that mindset. Like even with the Logan Act, you know, you're transitioning. It's not like you have four or five years in office. It's not like you're John Kerry going over to Iran to try to broker another deal or something. Uh, You're getting ready to leave in like a week. So, I mean, to me, it's pretty clear that one, Biden lied. Biden knew everything about it. Um, Obama absolutely directed it, let it, knew it. Are you ever going to find a smoking gun? No, you're never going to find, you know, anything from from Barry that says, hey, you know what? I don't like Trump. We need to, to screw over the Republicans, so let's open up an investigation. That's not going to happen, okay? You're going to have all these dots, but you're not going to have that smoking gun out there. But, you know, you can't kid yourself that, that Biden didn't know what was going on with this thing. You can't kid yourself that uh, that Barry didn't know what was going on and that Barry absolutely, you know, was the one that directed all this stuff. So I think when you come back to Biden, you know, because he's, he's a, a presidential candidate, I mean, the guy straight up lied. He straight up lied, and they spied on a U.S. citizen. I mean, I don't know why people aren't angry. Well, I guess, shit, everything going on now, it doesn't surprise me. But people should be pissed off at that. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't even know what to even think about him anymore. Because I think Luke said it when we first got on here that, you know, maybe in Biden's mind, he didn't know about it because he doesn't know about it now. I mean, the dude (laughs) probably forgot what he ate for breakfast this morning. You know, what do you think, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a distinct possibility. I mean, his, his mind is going and that's. We can get into the election and what we think about that in a minute. You know, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit on on Strzok's notes. Okay, 
and it's strictly devil's advocate. The two the two phrases that stuck out as far as like, well, I I really would I think I do know the context. That probably has a lot to do with with which I the side of the aisle I sit on. Uh, one was the call the call appears legit. Okay. What's the context with that? Is that appears legit as in it was legit, there's nothing wrong with it, or it appears legit, we caught him red-handed? You know, I'd really like to know a little bit more context. And it makes you pine for the days of Richard Nixon when he really actually recorded everything. And the other one that is also a little bit troubling is, in more ways than one for me, is put the right people on it. Okay, uh, what does that mean? Does that mean this is a very important case and we really need some expert, you know, professional agents? Or does it mean put the right people, the people that are on our side within the FBI on it? Either way, in my opinion, that second quote, put the right people on it, is wrong because you shouldn't have to say that with the FBI. I mean, sometimes you do, as in every career field, but it should just be like, okay, let's let's look into it. or put in on the other hand, you put the right people on it. The ones who agree with us this is the FBI. It's supposed to be a non-political, you know, supposed to be gone of the days of J. Edgar Hoover, which takes me back, you know. And then Biden saying the Logan Act, of course, you know, whatever that that's pretty straightforward. No one's ever been prosecuted for that. But it takes me back to the episode where we did talk about Flynn uh, a while back, where the dangers of mixing uh, criminal authorities and counterintelligence authorities because josh will kind of maybe he'll put together a timeline like he did before but it's i think it's very dangerous to bounce back and forth between the two because counterintelligence involves a lot of violating people's uh, civil rights if you do it wrong and if there is a finding we call them uh, procedures you are violating someone's rights because it's pretty you're pretty certain that they've done something wrong so when you bounce into the criminal realm and back to the counterintelligence realm, you're taking that hat on and off. The opportunity to abuse someone's rights are just are all over the place. And I think that's what happened in this case. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, no, absolutely right. You know, when you 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 take a look at any of the any of the procedures, um, you know, in especially in the CI next in the CI context, you know, absolutely like it is it is most intrusive means on the majority of them. Um, and so, you know, when you do one of those, you are absolutely, you know, you're, 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 you're violating somebody's rights. I mean, so, you know, some lawyers have signed off and said you could do it, but that, I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. Um, it's, you know, it's incredibly intrusive. Um, you know, they said they, they use that term and you, you know, you guys have heard it, you know, we'll use the least intrusive means. Well, that's like less lethal, you know, it doesn't make it non, non-intrusive. It's just, you know, it's, it's like prison sex. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of how painful it is. God. So again, Josh had a different, uh, or maybe it was Luke, one of you two had the different, uh, you know, physical exam at MEP. So I don't know. Maybe there's some experience there. (laughs) Hey, all I'm saying is that when I joined the Army, somebody put a finger in my butthole. Um, You know, it was either the Army or prison, whatever. I don't know, dude. The dude said he was a dentist. I don't know. He was the worst dentist ever. Um, (laughs) So. Yeah, you know, and so when you look at the Flynn case, right? So, you know, when they opened it up, that was back in that was you know that was back in like October 2016, um, and come December, you know, they they had said, hey man, there is there is absolutely nothing here. Um, you know, they had the call, they they had the transcripts of the calls, um, and everything, and so. 
there was zero reason to, to keep that thing open. And you're right. You know, Comey could have been like, yeah, you know, it appears legit, you know, to where it was good to go or it appears legit. Yeah. We have a, you know, flagrant violation. But when you compare that with the CI investigation that had recommended to be closed, that, that, that right there tells you that, you know, more than likely Comey's, you know, comment was, Hey, it appears legit. Like there's nothing really, you know, here to be messed with. And Strzok's notes, uh, they contradict Susan Rice's notes. Um, you know, Susan Rice had had, had had a completely different set of notes and said everything. And hey, Roger's right. We're never going to find the smoking gun. Um, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, you put, you know, one plus one plus one is three, right? You put all these things together in, in, in its totality. Like this was one of the biggest scandals and I would say in U S history, right. You know, from, from some, from somebody who said, well, I had a scandal free administration. No, you didn't. You, you, you absolutely didn't. You should just have come out. Yeah, smidgen, to come. Right. Not, not, not one smidgen. smidgen. Right. And so we're starting, you know, and they're starting to, you know, declassify and release things from fast and furious, you know, from, from Eric Holder's time as AG, that shit's going to come out, you know, the, the, the people who believe that there was not one smidgen of corruption, not one smidgen of a scandal in that administration still believe that Bill Clinton and the AG fucking talked about their grandkids in the plane on the tarmac in Phoenix. Right. They, they, they truly believe that. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're one of those people that are listening I appreciate you listening to us, but you are an idiot. God, you are dumb. I hope you not. I hope you're not a registered voter because you are too stupid to function in life, and you're damn sure too stupid to vote. You know, vote coherently. So just stay away from polling places. Just stay in your house. You know, get some Uber Eats delivered to you, and, and stay away from us so you, you don't infect the rest of us with your ignorance. Some sound advice from Josh. And I think the, you know, and as you hear it play out in the, <laughs> as you hear it play out, you know, with the pundits on TV, you know, it's funny to hear the left try to spin this thing because it all goes back to, well, Flynn lied. Well, Flynn lied, right? Of everything that happened, they just keep going back, well, Flynn lied. And it's like, well, okay, let's say you do something illegal, right? And I'm going to oversimplify this, like extremely. If you do something illegal, it doesn't make it right for the law enforcement or authorities or whoever to illegally obtain the evidence to prove that you did something illegal. Okay. That, that doesn't make it right. Um, and when you look at, I, I think part of the, part of what's being brought up, especially on the prosecution side, you know, well, the DOJ dropping the, the prosecution is Brady material. And so from what I understand with Brady material and, and Luke, you might have more info on this than I do. I just did a quick gurgle on it, but it's, you know, basically any wrongdoings that are done or whatever by the prosecution or by the attorneys, whether you can actually present that stuff, uh, you know, to a judge or to a jury or something like that. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking it's like, well, hey, if you did something improper, uh, obtaining the information or you didn't release all the information, because I think that's the case here is that they didn't release all this information to his defense team, right? So I think with uh, with Flynn's defense team, they, they weren't privy to all of these notes and all these things that are just like magically rolling out now. So they're saying, hey, wait a minute. I mean, this guy has a, a right to defend himself. Why didn't he have all this information? They're supposed to have everything the prosecution has. So yeah, I think that's, you know, that's part of the problem there. And I don't know. Have you guys actually seen the notes, like the actual handwritten notes in this thing from yes. Peter Strzok? Dude, I tell you, I've got it in front of me and it's, uh, you know, some of it's 
fucking junk and illegible but, or unreadable, but just that, like, what, one, two, you know, 10, 15 lines? Dude, there's a lot of stuff that's being covered there. Holy shit. You know, I'm sitting here looking at it. You know, you got uh, the Flynn calls and some junk I can't read. And, you know, the third line right there, Vice President Biden, you know, bringing up the Logan Act in quotes. All right. So that tells me that he specifically said it. And it was enough that that Peter was like, hey, I need to put this in quotes. This is attributed to the vice president. Uh, And then, you know, of course, you know, Barry says these are unusual times, which I can actually picture him saying that. Uh, you know, then, then Biden comes back, you know, I've been on the Intel committee for 10 years and I never, and then it stops, you know, so I don't know what the rest of that train of thought was. And, uh, you know, just <laughs> keeps going back and forth. And then, you know, he says, Hey, Flynn, Kislyak calls, uh, all but p- appear legit. And then happy new year, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think, uh, there's a lot to be said there. So the Flynn thing is, is one piece, right? So that'll continue going. And I think from what I understand, Judge Sullivan can actually go back to the circuit court and ask for a full ruling. Because I think, how many judges are in the circuit court, the D.C. circuit court? I think it's like 11 or something, right? Nine or 11 or? It's nine or 11, I think. My first instinct wants to say nine. That was the first number I went to was nine. Okay, so it's probably 11. So they, (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think. All the true colors are coming out, folks. I am glad the audience is hearing this. (laughs) Somebody gurgle that. So I think uh, I think Sullivan can actually go back to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and ask for a full ruling. And and I don't even pretend to know what the what the makeup of that court is. I don't know if how many uh, Republicans versus Democrats or, or whatever. But I think that's the next step. Right. Is he'll probably because I think at this point, you know, no judge likes to have, you know, any of their rulings overturned. So my guess, uh, you know, reading the crystal ball and. Uh, you know, as, as Sullivan goes and asks for a, I guess if, if there's more Republicans on it anyway, more conservatives on the D.C. Circuit Court, he'll go back and, uh, or if there's more Democrats, he'll go back and ask for, you know, a you know full ruling from everybody, right? Yeah, you know, uh, it's so maddening, so maddening. Roger, it's 11 judges, Josh. Hey, point proven. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, we sit here and listen to this, and that same thought keeps going through my mind. It's like, you know, the average American, you know, Josh said earlier, Roger did too, about, you know, there's COVID going on. There's, you know, the, the riots and the protests tearing down statues. And the average American, Joe Sixpack, is not a complete idiot, you know. Is sitting there, it's like, this is all so confusing. We're talking about circuit courts and amicus briefs and Brady rules, exculpatory evidence. It's like, how do you follow it all? You know, it is a huge scandal, but it's really hard to follow. And I was thinking today, I was like, you know, it's really too bad that Hollywood leans so far left because, you know, a good director could probably make a decent movie out of this. Lord knows there's been some shit ones made over you know, less scandalous stuff than this, like those three tarts at Fox news, whatever, however that went down. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure a decent movie, you know, could break it down for Joe Sixpack, but unfortunately that's just not the world we live in. And as outraged as the three of us are, nothing's going to be done about this. I agree with both you guys. It's, it's just, you know, it's status quo. I mean, how do we get back to, you know, people giving a shit about the Iran Contra affair, you know, because that was pretty complicated, too. I mean, you read all the way through it. There were a lot of moving parts to that. But Joe Sixpack back then, I mean, was following it and understood. 
And part of that is because the liberal media was pushing it so hard. You know, when's the last time? I mean, when when did they push back on Obama? When did they push back on Clinton? Maybe a little bit with uh, Monica Lewinsky. I mean, they buried everything. And this is being buried as well. So, you know, at least maybe when Biden, if Biden is president, you know, the news cycle will get back to, you know, really digging in the weeds on on Republicans instead of overblowing all this bullshit we see right now and, you know, manipulating the news cycle, driving everyone mad. What do you think, Josh? I don't think it will. I think when it, you know, when people stop caring, I think, you know, shortly after the, uh, you know, the 24 hour news cycle started because people just got to the point where they just, you know, inundated and inundated with information and they finally just shut down because at the end of the day, you know, the sensory overload, right? Yeah, I think you throw that on top of the fact that a lot of people out there now get their news from social media um, and not Jeez. from, you know, news outlets. And granted, the majority of the news outlets in, in the U.S. Are, are, are shit now anyway, right, on, on both sides. Um, I, you know, very rarely will I, will I look at something and take it for face value, um, you know, regardless of whether it's coming out of Fox or CNN or, you know, MSNBC or whatever. Like, I literally turn around and I go overseas to get news for the U.S., like, which is absolutely crazy, right? You know, you used to, like, you know, you, you go back to, you know, Walter Cronkite and, you know, the days it was like, hey, here's the event. Here's what happened. Um, you make, you know, you make your own opinion about it. Um, but now, you know, it's I'm going to tell you how how you should feel, you know, about this. And it's, that it's like, I don't I don't need that. I'm a grown ass. You know, I'm a grown ass adult. I make my own decisions. I don't need people making decisions and telling me how I should feel for me. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there who, who like that. And, you know, and there's a lot of people out there who just like the chaos um, and, you know, tell, you know, just want to watch the uh, watch the world burn. Um, I, I, I don't think we'll ever get back to, you know, Joe six pack. Um, being able to understand the the complexities uh, of everything because there's so much spin on it now that people just completely tune it out. They just don't. Nobody listens, and people don't. You know, we've said it before. People don't do due diligence on their own. People look at you know something, and they're like, oh, this is what it is. It's like, no, man, like it's a little more complicated than that. There's some context behind it. You need to dig into it. But people just aren't willing to you know willing to do that. They got to keep scrolling, you know, to see see what the next person has you know posted. Um, so. I don't know. It's um, it's, it's, a, it's a shit show for sure. It's tough. I mean, when you look at the news, and, and I try to read a lot, and, and I'm a subscriber to Apple News because it's, for those that you know don't use it out there, it's a good way to get premium content, New York Times, it's not just paying one fee. But it's tough because I tell you over the last week, and I think we need to do a, a future episode on the media, but uh, when I open up my homepage there, it's just like 99% of it, their opinions I mean, even when I look for like, like factual news, right? Like I just want the facts and, you know, and, and just like everybody else, obviously the headlines grab you. Right. And so not even delving into the story, just reading the headlines. I'm like, these are all opinions. You know, where's the actual news at? Let me read it, you know, for myself and let me dive into it and form my own opinion. But instead, you know, with the, you know, quote unquote news, they throw out their opinion in the headline, right. As the clickbait. And then, heck, even when you get into the article, a lot of times for for when I'm actually looking for news, I mean, there's very little. There, there's a couple little facts there. You know, they, they obviously they skew them a little bit. They and this left or right side, okay, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's not just a, a Democrat thing, but it's a Republican thing as well. There's there's an automatic spin to it as opposed to just putting it out there. 
And as far as the system getting fixed, it's never going to get fixed, and, and nothing will ever fully come to light until it only implicates one party. You know, and that was the thing with like the Iran Contra. And grant, you know, granted, back then before social media is a little bit different time and different operating environment. But you know, you talk about people being punished, and, and Josh has said it from the very beginning. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to any of these folks. I mean, maybe some low-level, you know, D-bag, you know, gets fired or admonished or, you know, whatever, and, hey, we're going to demote you or, or whatever. But, you know, nothing's going to happen to these folks because it's like with Barry and the CIA when he first came in and was looking at prosecuting. It's like, hey, hey, uh, you know, we're going to be eating our own here because, you know, then they're going to come after us. That's why it doesn't get fixed. You know, you only bring these issues up and really push it to the limit when it only affects and impacts one party and not your own. Uh, because once you start, you know, diving into this, and you're like, hey, once we start prosecuting people, right? Well, that's not just a Democrat issue; that's going to be a Republican issue, and the Republicans don't want to deal with that either. You know, when it when it comes, you know, two, three, or four, or five years down the road, or whenever, uh, you know, the roles reverse. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, the same people that are. Uh, you know, doing all this are also the same ones that, that make the rules. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Congress being able to vote for your own pay raise, right? I mean, I don't know. You know, I just kind of throw it out there, but it's like, hey, has Congress ever voted like no on a pay raise? I, mean, I would probably never vote no for my own pay raise. But I think the you know going to the bigger issue and, and changing the topic just a little bit. So it, it it goes to Biden, right? Biden's the the presidential candidate. Um, to me, in my mind, he lied. Uh, he clearly knew a lot about this. So you know, there's two sides. So there's one. Uh, I also say, well, what is he willing to do to win, right? That's illegal uh, because, I, I, in my eyes, everything to, get, to do with Mike Flynn, you know, illegal is all get out, violation of rights, this and that, and we've discussed it before. So it shows that, okay, Biden has a propensity to, to you know, conduct himself that way. But now as a presidential candidate going forward, uh, you know, shifting shifting gears just a little bit, what do you think about the debates? So I think last I heard there were – Three agreed upon debates, but I think Trump asked for five. Is that is that right, Luke or Josh? Yeah, I think he uh, I think he asked for five. Josh is nodding his head, but uh, there's three that I saw uh, that by that the Biden uh, team agreed to, and uh, all a couple weeks apart, and uh, one vice presidential debate. So, um, which we have yet to find out. Uh, who that's going to be. But uh, I guess the what I'm thinking is, are the debates actually going to happen? Because I think that's like suicide for Biden. I mean, that's not how on earth can a reasonable person think that he's going to come off well in a debate? Um, I think he could lose some voters. I really do, uh, especially if he's challenged uh, pretty hard. So if the debates do happen, I think there's going to be very, very, very strict rules that Biden still, it won't benefit him, but they're going to be very strict rules. They might be remote debates. Uh, Roger keeps asking when Biden's going to come out of his, his basement. I don't think he will. I, he doesn't have to at this point. Uh, if you believe the polls, the polls are going up. So why come out of the basement? Why have a debate? Why do that? You know, that's why I don't really believe the polls in the first place, because if the polls are so good, why would you agree to a debate? just keep kicking the can down the road until the polls start slipping, then agree to it. So I, I don't, I just don't see the debates happening. I hope they do. Cause that's really some really good content for us. We're trying to figure out, <laughs> Absolutely. we're trying to figure out how we can go live when that happens. And, uh, so for those of us, for those of you who know us well, we uh, we used to get on live on Facebook and just do comments as we go. And that day was just hilarious. It's three hours of entertainment. Uh, but, Josh, what's your bet on whether the debates are even going to happen? 
Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna happen at all. And if they do, if by some off chance that they do, it's going to be Biden debating from his basement and Trump debating from, you know, the the West Wing or something. Um, they, I, I I do not see the DNC allowing Biden to get on a debate stage one on one with Trump. I don't. I don't see him. You know, I, I do not see them. I do not see that happening at all. Um, you know, you look. You go back and look at the debates between Trump and Hillary. You know, Hillary, an incredibly seasoned politician, right? Um, you know, I mean, she 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 has been through the ringer. She knows what she you know. She knew what she was doing. Um, she was you know very polished. Everything. Trump got her upset. Trump threw her off her game. Could you imagine? what he would do to Joe Biden. Like he would have Joe Biden screaming and yelling up on that stage. Like he, like he would frustrate Joe Biden to no end. And when Joe, if you watch Joe Biden, when he gets amped up, when he, when, you know, somebody asks him a question and they challenge him on it. And we, we've seen this a couple times when he called that one dude at one of his town halls, when he called him a fat ass, um, <laughs> he challenged the construction. Were you talking to one of you two guys or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. When uh, when he challenged, it, it was a construction worker. You know, some guy he had a hard hat on. It was, you know, Joe Sixpack about you know an AR-15, and Joe Biden. You know, he kept you know he was like, no man. He's like, no, I'm not taking. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. You need to answer my question. Answer my question. And after like the third time, man, Joe Biden got up in his face and started yelling. Dude, you imagine what Trump, how, how fired up, dude, they would have to give that dude his fucking heart pill. Like, you know, every five minutes. I, I do not see it happening. Uh, Biden is going to have to come out of his basement, though. He is not going to be able to stay there until till November 3rd. He's going to have to get out there. He's going to have to get on the campaign trail. Um, as far as the polls go, we you know we kind of talked about it. Um, you know, wait till Biden starts campaigning; those polls are gonna change. Um, you know, if anybody you know puts faith in the polls, I'll take you back to 2016. You know, and show you those same polls who had Hillary up, you know, 10, 12, 13 points um, in a lot of places, and everybody knows how that worked out. But you see that, and there's also a lot of people out there who don't want. One, they don't want to be pulled to there. You know, some people are actually afraid of, you know, voicing their their support for Trump. So when they are pulled, you know, who are you voting for? I'm going to vote for Biden. Right. So you got some folks, you know, who don't want to, you know, outwardly support Trump. But at the end of the day, when they go to the poll, that's who they're going to vote for. Um, so I, I, I don't put a whole lot of faith in the polls, um, you know, and until we get, you know, a little bit, a little bit closer, um, you know, and then some of those polls, okay. It may, you know, yeah, okay. It may start to matter, but dude, once Joe comes up out of his basement and starts sniffing people and talking about, you know, his leg hair and how <laughs> he used to fight corn pop out behind the gym, dude, people could be like this, this dementia riddle bow bastard. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't see it. Joe's going to get out there and dude, it's just, he's going to, he's going to get destroyed. And and he's actually some pretty good entertainment. We we got to do another episode too, just strictly on uh, like Biden transcripts uh, because some of those are entertaining. I mean, you read, I'm like, I you know reasonably you know average educated dude, and some of the stuff I read, and I'm like, I honestly don't know what this guy is saying. I'm like, I'm not even sure he knows what he's saying. But with the you know going back to the polls, you know there, there's a couple of things like right now, this is the perfect operating environment for Joe Biden because. 
everything is controlled, right? Uh, he's, you know, he's out of his basement every now and then he does a little, you know, thing here or there. And, you know, they said it on Fox news the other, they were bagging on, on president Trump for, you know, his 6,500 people that showed up, uh, you know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I don't remember ever seeing Joe Biden with anybody, you know, any more than like 15 people in the freaking room, even like pre COVID. Right. Um, but right now is the perfect operating environment for Joe Biden because it's very controlled. Uh, it's controlled exposure. He comes out, he gives a couple sentences, you know, even those he fucks up half the time, you know, with the 126 million, uh, you know, when, I, when they, they, they did the interview with Trump, uh, you know, I think Sean Hannity did it and they're like, Hey, did you hear his latest gaffe? You know, 126 million people died from COVID. Uh, Trump's like 126 million. He said that. Wow. That's a lot of people. That's one third of the country, you know? So it's, uh, it, it they were able to limit, uh, his, his exposure. And I think that, you know, kind of makes me wonder, one, you know, Josh called it early. I mean, he, I think he said it, you know, a week or two weeks ago. He's like, debates are going to fucking happen. But then it makes me wonder, okay, well, you're going to have at least three debates. What's the structure? I mean, because I think what, it was a 2016, right, where they, they were feeding questions to the candidates. So it comes down to, are the moderators going to feed, you know, is, is that, that going to be the new or the norm? Hey, let's, here are the 10 questions that we're going to ask. That way, Joe can, you know, you massage the rules. That way, Joe can prepare for those things, right? So he'll have his his 10 questions that he knows is going to get asked. Hey, no questions from the audience, nothing out of left field. Now, obviously, President Trump and, you know, he's going to change it anyway, just being the way that he is. But looking at the rules going into it, I honestly think that if the debates do happen, I think you're going to see some pretty strict rules. You know, there's going to be no, uh, hey, go ahead and, and tweet in your question here and let's throw it at, at Uncle Joe and see what his response is. But I also agree that once everything starts to open up, he's got to get out of the basement. He's got to get out. I think once he gets out there and, and he sounds like a blubbering idiot, anytime he talks over, you know, 30 seconds, probably like us anyway, but once he gets out there and starts talking, uh, you know, people are like, what the fuck is this the guy, you know, this is, is this the guy. Cause he looks great on paper. Right. I mean, that, that's the case. He looks great on paper, but once you start hearing this dude talk and, and you know what, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but if you don't see the mental decline and Joe Biden, you're blind and you don't want to see it. So, you mentioned there's going to be one vice presidential candidate or one vice presidential debate. So what's the uh, I know last time we talked, you know, we kind of threw around some names. Val Deming would, you know, seem to be the favorite. Are, are we still stuck on Val or, or who are we looking at for the uh, vice president for, for uh, Biden? I, I first of all, before I answer that question, I just had a brilliant idea. And it almost makes me almost want Joe Biden to win, because I think I have more. I have enough material right now to put together like maybe 30 pages but check this out. It, it, idea for AJ Todd, right? Along the same lines as problematic. The definitive guide to understanding and comprehending Bidenese. And I can take all his quotes <laughs> <laughs> and like put it like a translation right there. It's brilliant. So I'd have a lot more material if he was president. But the vice president, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit on this. I've, I've kind of gotten a little conspiratorial. Unless the Democrats really want to lose, I don't know if they want to lose anymore. I used to say I think they want to lose. They're intentionally trying to lose. I don't know if that's the case. I won't be surprised if there's a huge bombshell between now and September, uh, whether that bombshell is Biden coming out and actually saying, you know, and it's not funny. And you know, I'm getting tired of, you know, I made the joke about Bidenese and everything, but if everyone's asking me to take this seriously, I, I have to roast him. I have to. But I, I feel bad about it because the guy is in mental health decline. And I can see the, the campaign coming out and saying, look, 
you know, I have serious cognitive decline early on, uh, you know, Alzheimer's and I'm pulling out and somebody else is going to step in. I don't know who that would be, but in the absence of that, I think it could be some dark horse, uh, dark horse candidate. Josh has his uh, theory on that. I, I won't, I won't uh, rain on his parade, but Val Dimmings, you know, that would be a sign that they want to lose. They're not really taking it too seriously. Um, I think that Stacey Abrams is still out. Uh, I think it could be, if I had to bet right now who it's going to be at this point, I'm with Roger, I think, and I'm going to say Elizabeth Warren, but then, you know, that goes against what Klobuchar said about, I think it should be a woman of color. So I'm a little confused, but I, I think right now I'm leaning towards some kind of big, big announcement that's going to kind of turn everybody's heads and get them actually excited, uh, get the you know Democrat base and the voters excited, which is something they aren't right now. They're excited about beating Trump, but they're not excited about their candidate. All right, Josh? Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden's just not exciting other than, you know, watching him and, you know, we listen to him say the things that he does. And, you know, again, I like I feel bad, you know, to a point bagging on the guy, too, because, it's you know, cognitive decline and dementia and part everything that comes along with that. You know, it's not it's not something to joke about. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel bad for him. But you know what? He's going to keep putting himself out there. Then, hey, man, that's a, you know, that's a personal decision you make. And now you're in the crosshairs and, uh, you know, you're you, you're going to get what you get. Um, as far as vice presidential candidates go for him, um, I, 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 Klobuchar was my number one uh, that, that I thought he was going to pick. Right. She, for some reason, you know, she either a decided that she, you know, she saw, you know, the inside baseball on the Biden campaign and she wanted no part of that because she has political aspirations of her own. Um, or, you know, she, she knows that there's something epic, you know, big, big announcement coming and, you know, she just went ahead and steps aside, you know, for, for that. Val Demings, um, doesn't hurt Joe Biden anywhere, but she really only helps him in Florida. Um, and it really only in one area in Florida in Hillsborough County. Right. And so, but if she doesn't, you know, I think Roger pointed it out, you know, she doesn't help in the Rust Belt. She doesn't help him out West. Um, she doesn't help him in, you know, the Northern States, like, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Um, you know, somebody said Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris hurts, um, you know, she, she, she really hurts Joe Biden. She doesn't help him anywhere. And she actually, she hurts him with the, uh, the African-American community, you know, Kamala Harris, she's put more, more African-American men in prison than, than J. Edgar Hoover ever did. Um, you know, so Kamala Harris is out, um, Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams is mentally checked out. I don't think she has the mental acuity to, uh, you know, to, to be the governor of Georgia, um, let alone, you know, be vice president of the United States. You know, I mean, she's, she still thinks she's the governor of Georgia. She's got to finish her term first, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, so I, and I'm going to say it right now. I, I, Joe Biden is not exciting. Um, you know, again, the, the the party who laments old white men, you know, put two old white men as their final two candidates. Um, you know, it's I I don't see Elizabeth Warren because again, she's polarizing. She does not help Joe Biden anywhere. She doesn't help him. She hurts him. You know, in a lot of places, she doesn't help him anywhere. Um, you know, outside of outside of Berkeley, and you know, I mean, she doesn't even she doesn't even get him the Native American vote because they you know they hate her too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's true that's all true 
for trying to appropriate, you know, their, uh, their ancestry. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now, man, if Joe Biden wants to shake things up and the DNC wants to shake things up, Joe Biden picks Michelle Obama. That is that, that, that will energize the DNC that will energize the base that will energize folks. But it's also a super dangerous play for them as well, because not only does that energize the Democrats, dude, that will energize those people who are sitting on the fence and do it will energize conservatives probably more than 2016. They, they do because the, the, the lament and the hatred for Michelle Obama on, you know, from conservatives is a hundred times more than what it ever was for Hillary. Um, I, I think you will have people coming out in droves to, to vote if Biden picks Michelle Obama as a, as a running mate. Uh, good call. And and I think with Warren, I mean, she's my number one pick right now. It seems like we, we change every week just based off the news cycle. But Warren does bring some voters to uh, to Biden. She does bring the Bernie voters. Right. Because a lot of those a lot of those Bernie voters, man, they are very, very similar to Trump voters. And I think uh, with the 2016 election, there was a fair number that actually voted for Trump. Uh, so, you know, again, if they feel disenfranchised and, and, and I think all of this obviously helps you know, Joe Biden, again, the whole COVID thing, the Corona thing and, and people being locked down, you just don't hear as much uh, about, you know, Bernie Sanders getting fucked over again. Uh, and again, you're not going to do anything about it, right? The voters. Uh, but, you know, it was a big deal 2016 and people were pissed off, but she does bring that category of voters over. Now, how many she brings over, I don't know. You know, I don't think she helps with the Rust Belt. She's a fairly safe pick. Uh, I don't know if she has any, you know, true aspirations to go. I mean, I know she ran for president, but I just don't see her being anything more than than a senator ever. Uh, so, you know, to be, you know, more to be seen on that. What I think we should do is just go ahead and elect uh, Joe Biden and tell him he's the president of uh, the CHOP. And just take him out there, and, and we'll drop him off in Seattle, and say, "Hey, Mr. President, you're uh, you're now running this show." So, you know, it's been it's been pretty quiet the uh, the last couple days. But so the last thing I read on on you know the Chaz, which is now the Chop, uh, is that the leaders of the Chop have urged protesters to go home, and then they turned right back around and they supported uh, Joe Biden. Which, by the way, you know, and and this, I, I wrap this all into one because there's some crazy shit going on, right, with the statues and and to all you fucking people out there on social media. We said this last week, you know. Oh well, you know, we're just renaming this and just. And we said it was a slippery slope. And would they say, no, 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 you're just being obtuse. You're dumb. And now they're ripping everything down, dude. There's no slippery slope there. And you know who you are. And you know what? You're quiet about it. There. You know where they're at on social media right now? Crickets. Crickets. Not saying a freaking word. But when you look at what the Democrats are doing as far as strategically and what the Republicans are doing. I mean, number one, I don't see any Democrats out there, right? And, I, and I'm assuming, so this is my thought on this, and Luke, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong or what you think about it, but it plays to the Democrats' favor to just not say anything. Because if I just don't say anything, then I'm not against your cause. And I may even give the appearance that I'm condoning what you're doing, so these folks turn around and, and provide the support. So I guess, you know, on one hand, I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm like, where are these leaders at? Because I tell you what, you're starting to see lawsuits happen right now. And I'm glad they're coming out because if I'm living in one of these cities and that happens to my small business, that happens to my neighborhood, that happens to my house, I'm fucking suing somebody. OK, that's going to happen. Uh, but when I sit there and look, I'm like, well, where are the Democratic leaders again? And, you know, it's the perfect operating environment for them where it's like, well, you know what? 
I don't really have to say anything. Joe Biden doesn't have to say anything. Just his silence, using you know some of his own words to paraphrase, but just his silence is condoning the activity. So if you're part of the Chaz or the Chop or that you know Antifa movement or whatever, uh, you just kind of assume that you know Biden supports your cause. So they turn around and, and and they'll support him you know during the elections if if any of them actually vote right. I mean I think it's that's the other hand too. I you know the people that that make up the Chop. Um, you know, I'm going to take a shot in the dark here, but I'm going to say what what 44 percent of the people vote, give or take uh, on average or whatever. So I'm going to take a you know just a shot in the dark and say maybe eight percent of the, the residents of the chop actually vote. So I don't know. What do you think, Luke? Is that a is that a, a strategic play by the Democrats to, to just like stand back and not say anything? Well, I think it's insidious, actually. I, I um, this is straight out of rules for radicals by uh, Saul Linsky. It's it, it's. It's in my opinion, the movement right now is it, it actually frightened isn't the right word. It just I have this sense of dread about about everything, about people being quiet on social media after they were talking big yang two weeks ago. And, it, you know, they are being silent. And that's a it's a strategy. And again, rules for radicals. Go read it. If you want to know how the other side thinks and what's going on right now, and if you don't think that this is coordinated somehow, go read that. and You tell me if it's just coincidence. Because they take simple, simple ideas, right? They may, they boil it down. They're very good at doing this. The left, the radicals are very good at boiling things down to, to make it hard to argue against or more difficult to argue against. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong arguing against it, if you, especially in the short news cycle with the short attention spans. If your argument takes more than a sentence or two, people are like turned you off because it's okay. We're tearing down these statues. Why? Slavery. These guys own slaves. Boom. Done. They own slaves. They own slaves. That's three words. And then I've got to turn around and explain to them in a paragraph why, well, okay, that's a fair point, but we should vote on it. We should, you know, uh, stick them in the museum so we don't forget history, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, we've made the arguments about the statues, but I've lost, uh, I, I've, I've lost them at that point. So you got these Democrats aren't saying anything. It's like, yeah, slavery is bad. Tear down the statues. Okay, and then it goes from there as, you know, with Francis Scott Key and, and, you know, talk about tearing down George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, so on and so forth. You know, along those lines, Black Lives Matter, right? I mean, Black Lives Matter. That's three words. It's the title of the organization. It's like, okay, well, we can all agree that Black Lives Matter, of course. But and when I say but when the other side says but they're like, whoa, 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 you say that black lives don't matter. What? You're saying all lives matter? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, it's like they ought, you're automatically put on the defensive with these simple, straightforward, emotional arguments that they're using. It's incipient fascism is worse than Maoism, man. When we're talking about Francis Scott Key, I guarantee you, man, it's, <laughs> it's a matter of time before there's a, you know, a uh, change.org and all this stuff about, well, the national anthem, it's appropriated anyway from an old bar tavern song back in England, you know, and Francis Scott Key was a slave owner and he, you know, so on and so forth, it just never ends. So it's, it's, you know, great leap forward territory. Josh likes to say 1868 or something like that. I like to say like 1958. Dude, this, this stuff is scary, man. And all it's going to take is a leader and a little bit more violence and, and, and the violence we're already starting to see, you know, the Chaz and the Chops set a precedent, right? It's like, well, they were mad. We're going to let them go in there. We're going to let them blow off steam and, and this and that. Well, now in Atlanta, there are armed folks outside certain neighborhoods, you know, outside where they're going to tear down these statues saying no police allowed. 
you know, and you know, every that set a precedent. So now people just think they can do it. They're going to do it in the wrong place and there's going to be bloodshed. So yeah, their strategy is absolutely working. Just stay silent because, you know, silence in this case is, you know, a little bit of consent, you know, I'm not going to speak out against it. Don't let them run it, let it run its course. Definitely not going to speak out against it like the right is doing. So, I mean, that's my take on it. You know, I mean, Josh, we've talked about this a lot. You know, uh, do you find it a little bit frustrating to have to explain the same thing to people over and over again? I mean, give us your thoughts, because I wasn't involved in that. Unfortunately, I wasn't involved in that fiery social media exchange you guys were in. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it now, like we heard Rogers. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is just a it, it's a thing taken out of rules for radicals from Zelensky. And it's just I mean, people don't realize it. people are still there's a lot of people who still think this is a race war. Right. And this is all you know, it's not a race war. It was not a race war from the beginning. This is a cultural war that we're involved in. It was it was never about race. It was never about slavery. Um, you know, when you go back and so the conversation that we were involved in, right? Somebody, so a West Point graduate lamented the fact that there is a building, um, you know, at West Point named after Robert E. Lee. Right. And she she went ahead and she further expounded that, you know, she she couldn't believe how those, you know, the minorities at West Point had to feel, you know, every time they walked into that building, you know, they had to go to that building for class or whatever. It's a barracks or whatever. Right. I'm not a West Point. I'm not, not you know, I'm not an officer. I wasn't I wasn't smart enough. Um, so, you know, we we're like, OK, well, OK. So, you know, you change the name and then what? Right. And, you know, Roger even asked a question. It was like, how many times did, you know, those folks go into West Point? How many times did they sit there and be like, I can't believe, you you know, this barracks is named after Robert E. Lee? Like, how many times was it brought up? Right. So, if it, it, but you could never answer that question. And then it was like, OK, so why? Right. It was like, well, they were traitors. OK, yeah. Yes. The Confederates took up arms against, you you know, against the Union. OK, well, it was, it was you know. Slavery. Okay. Like you said, that makes it easy, right? So anybody who's like, well, I was like, oh, you defended slavery, right? And it's like, okay. So, you know, Roger and I asked a question. It's like, okay. So Ulysses S. Grant owned a slave. Well, but he, you know, he, he, he left that, he married into it and he eventually <laughs> let that slave go. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, no, no, no. You said, they own slaves, right? It didn't, there was no other stipulations in there. There was no exceptions to the rule, nothing. So you will see Grant. Okay. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, like, were you prepared and do you support the removal of the Jefferson Memorial and the Washington Monument? And you never got an answer to the question. Then it was, oh, well, you know, slippery slope, that's a logical fallacy. It'll never, that'll never happen, you know, blah, blah, right? Talking all this big and, you know, getting on and getting on, you know, they're sitting up in their fucking moral, moral ivory tower. Like, you know, the, you know, the Confederacy, all that stuff should be changed and go away because they own slaves, but they would never engage on what do you believe, you know, the Washington Monument should come down or the Jefferson Memorial come down. And, you know, talked a lot, man. There was a bunch of people that jumped in there and was, you know, on the other side about how, no, that's a logical fallacy. It'll never happen, blah, blah. Dude, when the first Washington uh, statue came down out in Portland, went back and was like, what's up? Crickets. Nothing. Crickets. Nothing. 
Nothing. And I haven't heard, I have not heard or seen a post. I've been looking for it. I've not seen a post or heard a word <laughs> from that same individual. Now that we are, you know, and you have the idiots on CNN actually talking about the Washington monument and the Jefferson Memorial specifically, right? Crickets, nothing. Nobody wants to engage on that now because guess what? It's too late. It's too late. You're silenced. You sat there. You knew what was happening, and now you're going to have to reap it. It's like the, you know, it's like the mayor out in uh, that was out in Washington, you know, that was like, yeah, you know, supported the chat, supported the chop, supported the riots until they showed up at her house and they burnt that shit down. And now she's like, this is domestic terrorism. It's like, no, 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 no. This is this is called karma. This is called karma. You got what you deserve. You you empowered that monster. You let that monster grow. And guess what? It came for you, too. And that's what people don't understand. People who are out there, people are like, oh, I'm OK with, you know, people burning down some stuff. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with that. Thinking, oh, OK, they, they're not going to come for you, but they will. They will come for you. They will turn on you in a heartbeat. That's the first people they come after. That's the yes. very first people, the enablers. Uh, it's it's all there, man. It's in history. It's slippery slope or not, dude. That's what these are people are useful idiots. You're absolutely right. They're going to come for them very first. Dude, I, and it just it, it boggles. It, it absolutely boggles my mind. You know, and hey, we, you know, we talked about it um, on last episode, too. It was, you know, nobody on, you know, n- nobody here is defending slavery at all. Um, you know, I, I tell you right now, I would rather I would rather be dead than be anybody's slave. Um, but if you are going to lay, you know, the the morality of today on, you know, society, um, you know, 100 years ago, you're going to be very disappointed and very surprised because pretty much every ethnicity on Earth has been enslaved at one point or another by, you know, pick a pick another ethnicity. Right. You know, so you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to have to rip down basically everything in the, you know, every statue in the United States, every statue around the world. It's like people, you know, Walt Disney changing uh, Splash Mountain. You know, people were like, oh, well, you know, it's derived from a racist song, you know, this and the other. Okay, well, you're going to tear Walt Disney statue down because if you you do a deep dive into old Walt, Walt's got some problems in his past. Right. I mean, so what's what's next, Josh? Josh, what's next? I mean, are the Dixie Chicks going to change their name? I mean, come on. How how far does this go? (laughs) Dude, I legitimately had to ask when I saw that. They were like, hey, man, Dixie Chicks dropped the Dixie in their name. I was like, they're still around? Like, what? (laughs) They haven't been relevant. They haven't been relevant. Since that time, you know, people lit them up for, you know, saying something about who was it about Iraq, the Iraq war or Bush or something like that. Well, like back in 04, something like that. People lit about after that it was like they're still around, but they left the chicks. Right. Now they're just the chicks because, you know, because that's socially God. acceptable. Um, you know, good thing you dropped the Dixie. Now you're just the chicks. Uh, yeah. Good Lord. Good googly moogly. And here's the problem with all this. So when this first, you know, when this all started with Floyd, remember it was a race thing, right? That's that's what the media tried to portray as a race thing. Well, I think we can safely say now, and again, I don't know the background of Chauvin as far as, you know, what he is, you know, in his mind, or maybe he is a racist, that's his thought process or whatever. But I would guess that by now, if there was some racist past to Chauvin, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, that it would be out in the media by now. I mean, it's been weeks, right? So if there, if there was some history there, it would be out. So 
I think it just goes back to what we originally said that this guy's an asshole. I mean, he's just a shitbag, and and that's what he did. But here's the here's the sad part about this. So it shifted from race to police, right? Police enforcement, uh, law enforcement, abuse of power, this and that. And then it's gone on to, well, I don't even know what the hell they're doing now with the statues and the Aunt Jemima and the Uncle Ben. and You don't even know what you, I don't even know what all that's about because the, when you go back to the police uh, or, you know, possible abuse by law enforcement, I mean, there are bills up there right now, right? There's a Senate bill and I think the House just passed one yesterday that's going to be dead on arrival. But hey, you know, it's like all you protesters out there, you want to get behind something. This is what you get fired up about because this is how you make change. And so I've got a snippet. And I, you know, I didn't know that the House passed a bill, so I don't have the details of it. But this is what the Democrats, right? Because everybody's, you know, they, they all want police reform, which is all bullshit, by the way. None of the politicians want fucking police reform. So let me tell you that right now. But here's the uh, here's the bill that not one Democrat would vote on, and not even to pass the bill. Okay, this is to vote to have a debate about the bill to start talking about the bill. Hey, we can, uh, let's compromise, let's take some things out, let's add some things or whatever, but I'll go through them real quick and, and then throw it to Luke for, for his thoughts on it. So chokeholds, discourage, disincentivize. So basically, if your police department, you know, uses that technique, uh, which by the way, they all do. Uh, again, you know, you look at the police chief all the way up to the county, up to the state, right? They train it, they teach it, they use it. Uh, but basically, it's discouraged if you're uh, if your organization uses it, then you could lose some federal uh, some federal funds. Increased data collection on the use of force because the the data out there is really shitty. I mean, you have uh, you know some FBI numbers, um, you've got some other you know federal organization numbers, but really when you look at reporting from uh, actual law enforcement organizations, uh, the local ones, they're just you know at best there might be a fifty you know fifty or sixty percent you know reporting rate on that. Uh, increased records retention that way. Uh, you know, as opposed to somebody does something two years later, they shred your records. Uh, they want to maintain this stuff for 30 years, right? So it follows you wherever you go. So you can't just hop around from one police department to another. No knock warrant tracking. All right. They actually want to find out, Hey, because you know, when you look at the Brianna Taylor, you know, again, feel bad for, uh, I don't even know. We, we talked about it briefly, but it's, uh, that was just all bad. I mean, it's all bad for everybody. You know, the cops thought they were doing the right thing. Uh, you know, the boyfriend thinks somebody's breaking in uh, to the house. So he fires off a couple rounds. The cops shoot back, you know, and, and she ends up dying. Um, but anyway, so they're going to pull some more data on that. Make lynching a federal crime. Increasing penalties for false police reports. Enhance funding for body cameras. Studying the social status of black men and boys. Funding for training alternative uses of force. De-escalation and, and duty to intervene. Banning sexual abuse by law enforcement and African-American History Museum to train law enforcement on the history of racism. So, I mean, you tell me, Luke, what do you see there? I mean, what, what, any of these? I mean, as a Democrat, if you were a Democrat, I mean, do you oppose any of these things? I mean, why wouldn't you even start the debate on it? I, I what, from what you're saying, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be in the minority here of, in the cup, but I don't necessarily disagree with uh, a lot of that stuff you said. Um, I see it as a pot. I mean, is that what you're looking for? I mean, what, what do you think? I, I want to kick it back to you on that one. Cause I mean, the no knock warrant, that stuff, the, you know, the chokeholds, I mean, there's a time and a place for everything, but, uh, you know, I, I do think there, do, there does need to be some reform. Maybe this is a starting point. Uh, maybe there needs to be some discussion about it. Uh, but again, is this going to be enforced on the national level or what? Because, now we're getting into Tenth Amendment territory, right? I, I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, I think that the, the truth is at that level, I don't think anybody gives a shit. That that's part of the problem. You know, they, they're not into uh, you know police reform or law enforcement reform. Even whether you believe it or you know that they need to have it or not, they don't care. You know, it's politicizing it. Uh, to keep it in the news, to make it look like one side's not doing anything, right? So I think uh, you know you've got the folks out there that are protesting for it, but to me, uh, and even with the House bill, I'm trying to pull it up now, and it basically looks, you know, just from the snippet, some of it's very similar, where you know they ban the the no knock warrants, uh, they ban chokeholds, and uh, make it easier to pursue claims against police officers in court. So. You know, it's like if you really want change, that's how you affect change. But it's never going to happen because, you know, for the politicians, they don't want change. It's all about politicizing it. Right. It's all about politicizing, it, which is what they're doing now with. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but I guess the House passed. Was it today uh, to make uh, Washington, D.C. the 51st state? Yeah. You know, and they they made a comment that D.C., you know, they are everybody in the beltway is so political that if that ever passed the first, you know, I forget the. Uh, the analogy they used, but they were like, you know, some Iranian warship could come in, uh, you know, right into D.C. And the first thing that everybody in the Beltway would say was, well, how is this going to impact the election? You know, and, and I think that's what you're starting to see with police reform where, you know, and again, not having read the House bill, their version. But you've got I mean, to me, they seem pretty legit. They won't even start the debate on it. So why are these people out there, pro, you know, protesting and tearing stuff down and rioting and looting? Shouldn't you be back in D.C. and beating up these people? Right. I mean, get the conversation started. Because because you pointed it out though it's not about it's not about that anymore right so we talk about it so those those things you read off from the dem bill right I don't on the surface I don't have a problem with with any of those um, minus the last one you know make lynching a federal crime I'm pretty sure murder is already a federal crime um, I have to go back and check but pretty <laughs> pretty sure murders are already a federal crime guys um, you know so that again right we we, we pass these laws and we come up with laws and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they, they fall into one or, you know, sometimes they fall into, you know, both categories. They either do good or they feel good, right? Um, you know, make lynching a federal crime. That feels good. It doesn't do any good because murder is already a federal crime. Okay, great. Um, but you, you turn around and you look at the Tim Scott bill. The Tim Scott bill is not that much different. Right. That Tim Scott introduced. And when they, they had the vote, the procedural vote, just to you know open the debate on it, they needed 60 votes in the Senate. They only had 55. There was you know 53 of those were Republicans, but they didn't have the Democratic support. Here you have a senator, an African-American senator who is, you know, he is proving the pudding that guess what? You make the right choices in life. You can ascend the ladder, too. Um, you know, to come out, he was the first one to come out and say, Hey, here's what we need to do about police reform. And there was some police, you know, there was actually some police, uh, union and stuff like that. They were like, man, that's a, you know, that's a, that might be a little, you know, a little overboard, a little too hard. Um, but again, like they, the Democrats automatically shut it down because it was coming from the other side. And this is why I, I keep going back to, you know, a couple months ago, we were in 1850, right? Our path as a nation was not set. But you you look at it now, like we won't even we won't even have a civil have civil discourse with each other. Not only out here, you know, in 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 the public domain, 
right? We won't even have civil discourse with each other in the chambers of our government where we're supposed to have civil discourse, right? Because that's how that's how civilized society get thing, gets things done. We're at the point now we won't even debate with each other. We won't even have the conversation. And that's why I'm telling you, we are, we, we are now in 1858, 1859, and we are very, very close to the stage being set to where there is only one way out of this, one way to, you know, basically reset everything. And, and, and that is going to be bloodshed. Um, I hope I never see it. I hope my kids never see it. But man, I'm going to be the negative Nancy here. We are we are getting closer and closer. You know, Luke 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 pointed it out. You know, around the Wendy's that you know um, that Rashard Brooks's girlfriend burned down, not some random you know white person for for all you uh, y'all you folks out there. Um, you know, there are people standing there with firearms that are like police aren't allowed in here. Around where George Floyd got killed in Minneapolis, there are people who's farm saying, "Police aren't allowed in here." Okay, so what do you do? You're the you're you you are the elected officials of that city, and, and you can put the Chaz and Chop in this as well. You're the elected, you know, you're the mayor. What do you do? Do you allow those people? To hold that ground and say, no, we are not conforming. We are not allowing law enforcement in here. And the citizens that are trapped with inside those borders need and request law enforcement, just like happened in the Chaz, man, in the chop. People got shot. People died. They wouldn't let paramedics in. And some of the paramedics are like, I'm not even going in there. And we would let me in. Right. What do you do? At, at a certain point, are you are you the cops just going to roll in there and be like, you're not going to stop me? you going to shoot me? And now all of a sudden, you know, it's the okay corral. Like, like at what point, where do we tip at? Right. Where, where is that tipping point? I feel like we're very, very close to that tipping point. And there is something the U S is not prepared for the U S for, you know, based on our geog- you know, geography and everything we have enjoyed, enjoyed, you know, the freedom of, you know, people rolling across our border and, you know, starting wars and us being the Balkans. That's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. People are going to see this in their front yards. They're going to see it on Main Street, USA, and it is going to be brutal and it is going to be ugly. And that that is where we are headed. I'm telling you right now, that is where we are headed and we are closer than we have ever. We're closer closer than we've been since 1858. I'm telling you right now. I'm a little confused on something you said. Uh, Rayshard Brooks had a girlfriend because the media was telling me he was this family man of, you know, no ill repute whatsoever. So I don't know. That's a little confusing to me that that the family man had a girlfriend that burned down a Wendy's. You know, uh, somebody sent something to me today or yesterday, uh, a listener named Josh. Not the not the Josh that's a part of the cup, but a loyal listener. He said, "Hey, here's some fodder for the podcast." And I was I, to tell you the truth, I ignored it at first, but I pulled it up uh, a little while before the podcast, and I and it kind of ties into what we're saying. You know, I I get the politicians playing games. I get that. What's bothering me, and we covered this in an earlier episode, are the senior leadership within the military that is not just the military. I mean other branches of government that are taking this as a time to take a stand, time to take a political stand. It's, it's worrisome. And I want you guys to listen to this, what I'm about to read you, try to ignore uh, the position that I'm going to say, because this person uh, outlines their own position, like in the military, but listen to the tone. And I want you guys to tell me what rank this person sounds like based on the tone. 
Now, I'm going to use words where I put some emphasis on it. That's because there's emphasis in the actual uh, Captain. Memor- mem- memorandum. Okay. Captain. Now, listen, now listen up. <laughs> As one of the few black, capital B, leaders to command the Maneuver Support Center of Excellence and the first woman to do so and the only black woman to hold the position of commandant of the United States Military Police School, I want you to hear my voice. I'm going to skip a paragraph or two. One does not eagerly assume the duty to speak up against their organization's deficiencies, but I must acknowledge our military shortcomings. There are brief, commonplace, daily instances of racism that come with, come with being one of the few, the first, or the only. I know what it's like to be ignored, overlooked, or for people to make assumptions about who I am. I have experienced... I've, I have experienced those microaggressions many times. Okay, I'm, I'm not even going to read the rest. So, uh, Roger, are you sticking with captain on that? So, it's something that I would expect to hear from a captain, uh, but, you know, it's probably for, coming from an 06 colonel or above. <laughs> Josh? Uh, if I uh, recall correctly, I think she's a one star. Uh, but what does it sound like? What does it sound like? Yeah. It sounds like a bunch of bullshit. No, I mean, what rank I mean, would you expect that, you know, the, uh, the person I, to come I, out of their mouth? Yeah, I would. I, honestly, I would expect that would be a, a, a CSM. I, I would expect that come out of a really? sergeant major's mouth. Okay. Or, 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 I, I would go with the uh, college graduate who um, got either a lieutenant, maybe uh, who doesn't know a whole lot about life, or maybe even like an E6 who – who has his master's, his or her master's in, you know, whatever liberal arts degree they had. This is a major general who said these things. And and you can read the memorandum. I I don't know. I wouldn't know where to find it, but uh, it was a major general. I'm not going to say her name, Uh, but (laughs) saying those things about the military, I mean, good Lord, I I don't know. Maybe I spent time in a different military than everyone else. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I was blind to these things. Maybe it was my white privilege. But I can tell you for a fact, those of you who aren't in the military, from my perspective, what I saw in the military, it is the most equal organization I've ever seen. It is meritocracy, period. Now, it's, it's, it's transitioned with quotas and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's transitioned a little bit in my time, but it's still fairly merit-based. But then again, you have a major general Saying these things, I just I I can't believe I'm outraged. I'm I'm really outraged. It it you know what I'm gonna tell you right now. I have seen that attitude perpetuated throughout the military and specifically from certain folks. Right, you are a two star general in the United States Army, and you want to sit there and talk about how you're oppressed. Get it, dude. That is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad that the Army has decided to get rid of the DA photos from centralized promotion boards. Right. Get rid of the photo. The next thing they need to do, they need to go ahead and get rid of the name. Right. So there would be no name, no photo. And they should get rid of any gender specific pronouns. That way you are promoted based on merit, based on your, you know, your potential. Right. There is no more of this. There's no more of this crap and get rid of, hey, we have to promote a certain number of females. We have to promote a certain number of minorities. Right. Just go around. Get rid of all that shit, because if you want you want equality, let's have equality. 
let's get rid of affirmative action, right? So, so everyone is equal until until we're all equal. No one is equal. And it, but that, I read that memo earlier today. I saw it, and I just I want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. I, I didn't even read it past the first paragraph. I didn't get as far as you did, right? I stopped reading in the first paragraph when it was you know the first, the only, the identity politics that is in that first paragraph is exactly what is wrong with the country today. People are like, you can't understand my position because you're not black, because you're not white, because you're not female, because you're not a man, because you're not this, you're not that. You know what? It Right and wrong transcends all that shit. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, they, they, and we've allowed it, though. We've allowed it to start to, to permeate the military. And we've we've now allowed people to come out and start voicing their opinions from their official positions in the military. If people want a shit show, go ahead. and You want to see a breakdown of good order and discipline? Let that shit happen. And you do. We are so screwed as a country. If we if we allow that in the military, we are so screwed. In, case, you know, in the event that we actually go into a, a kinetic fight against one of you know our great power competitors, do we we are so done. We are absolutely one hundred percent done. You know, and I think sometimes what, what pisses me off about it is sometimes it's about race because you make it about race. It, it goes back to Morgan Freeman, right? And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to I'm paraphrase a little bit of his interview. And I think everybody's probably seen on Facebook. He's like, and this is very oversimplified. But hey, you want to stop racism, you just stop talking about it. And what pisses me off about this memo is it goes against everything that I I did to raise my kids, you know, going back a couple episodes when I was talking to my kids, when, you know, I said, I, you know, I kind of blew my daughter's mind. It's like, well, how'd you feel growing up, you know, in a minority family? Like, wait, what? Huh? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm half Asian as, as Josh and, and Luke remind me every day. Uh, so, you know, I'm half Asian. So, I mean, you know, has that impacted you guys growing up? Well, no, it hasn't. You know why? Because we never made it about race. Now, again, racism exists. I get it. And there are, there are times that you need to address it and times that you need to, you know, combat it. But we never made it about race, like ever. Like I never had, you know, the, the general conversation we had or I had with my kids, uh, same thing with my wife, is like, hey, you, you just – it's based on your own merit, right? You work your ass off. You work your ass off and you achieve everything that you can possibly achieve. That's all you can do. Sometimes you'll fail. Sometimes you'll succeed. You work your ass off. You'll succeed more times you fail. Uh, never once that I ever had to have the conversation with them about being a minority or how people may look at you. or that. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter how they look at you because I'm not going to change that. You know, all you can do is the best that you can do with your actions. And so when I, when I read her memo and, and Josh actually just shot out to us, you know, it's right in the first paragraph, you know, being the first black, da, 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 you make it about race. It wasn't about, you know, and we've read thousands of these, right? Well, me and Josh have been, uh, you know, previously served. We've seen thousands of these, you know, <laughs> as new commanders come in, uh, you know, they, they put forth, Hey, proud to be here. I love you guys. Yada, yada, yada. Here's my philosophy. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know, man, you know, I, I said this tongue in cheek a couple weeks ago, but maybe I am surrounded by racists. You know, maybe I'm surrounded by racists because like a lot of these things they bring up, like I never saw it that way. Right. Yeah. And you'll turn around now. She'll put that out. Right. And there's already army leaders right there in in one of the in in one of the officer groups on Facebook. Right. There's already people like, yeah, this is perfect. You know, this is what we need. Blah, blah. Those same people will turn around on Monday morning at formation and they'll put out be like, hey, we're only one color in the army. Green. You know, we're only one. You know, we're one gang. That's it. You know, green. We bleed green. That's it. You know, then they'll turn around and they will 
divide everybody up and put everybody in the bins, right? Because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a native, native, you know, Pacific Islander month. And, you know, it's, you know, now it's, you know, African-American history month. And then it's this person's month and this person's month. Now it's, you know, it's pride month. It's a, God, man, it's like, dude, stop dividing everybody up by this bullshit. When's the Asian month? When's the Asian month? Native Island, uh, uh, Pacific yeah. Islander month. That's Zodiac. Uh, you you got to go with the Chinese Lunar New Year, uh, New Year. calendar. No, I get on a month, right? I get a month. <laughs> yes, you do. I don't, I don't remember. It's not important, I guess. When, well, no, because when I because <laughs> 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 when I get my month, I want the the because hopefully the, the listeners out there should have. Uh, you've probably heard some audio clips and stuff on Instagram and and Facebook, and we do these thirty second clips, and they're all Josh's voice. So I was just wondering uh, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind during the. I think I get my month, but during my month, if we could do an audio clip with maybe my voice or I, you can even play Luke's voice, I'd be happy with that. Just, just curious. <laughs> I remember, I remember when uh, in basic training, Josh, you, you we went about the same time. Uh, it was it's the first time I've ever seen this. Yeah, you know, it's pretty integrated. I mean, all the races I in my basic training company anyway were pretty equally represented. And uh, it was the first time I'd been in an environment that was so equally represented. But the drill sergeants, tell me if they did this with you, Josh. The drill sergeants, if there were a group of four white dudes all talking together, the drill sergeant would, you're standing in the same area, the drill sergeant would pull a Hispanic, black, or Asian person over and put them in the group. And he's like, nope, no more than, no more than three of the same race. And they were doing it kind of to... I, I don't know. I, I do think they had a purpose with that. It's like, no, you're integrated. Stop it. Stop it. You know, stop, stop, uh, you know, trying to get into your own little groups. I, I liked what they were doing. It, it was, it was kind of funny. We all laughed at it, you know, but you know, it, it was a good thing. Uh, I'll tell you what though, you know, those drill stars would have a hard time though with, uh, with one particular person. If he had the balls to join the military it would be like, what race is that guy? Is he white? Is he black? Is he, I mean, it looks like it could be Asian, maybe Native American. Is that Colin Kaepernick? You know, and I wish he would have joined the military, Josh. I wish he would have because, man, a hero like that walking around, what a, what a guy, man. What a guy. Colin Kaepernick. He could have he deployed with Pat Tillman, you know, because, I mean, according to Brett Favre, they're, you know, they're both heroes. Um, and just, you know, Colin Kaepernick – it drives me again. It drives me nuts. I don't care if you, if you want to kneel right during the national anthem, I think it's in poor taste, but I will defend your right to do it. Right. And so, you know, the thing with Kaepernick, it's like, Hey man, you just can't do it on your employer's time. Right. That was my thing with it. It's like, I, exactly. I, I can't, I can't protest that, you know, while I'm on, I'm on my, my employer's clock, I would fully expect to get fired if I pulled some nonsense on, you know, like that while I was, you know, working for my employer, representing my company. Right. And it did some nonsense like that. Fully expect to get fired. And, you know, if that happened, I'd be like, yeah, I got it. You're right. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's just because that, it's not because I'm a conservative. Um, you know, it's, it's because I'm an adult. Right. And I understand, you know, how adult things work. Um, Kaepernick doesn't understand that. 
So anyway, so you know, you take Kaepernick, you 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 want to you want to you know kneel and protest police brutality, and you know turn around and then wear a uh, you know a Fidel Castro shirt, you know, in, with, with Fidel and Che on it, you know, because Fidel and Che had a really really good track record, you know, about taking care of minorities, um, you know, while they're and then wear you know socks with you know police as pigs on them and, and stuff like that. Um, it's just a clown show. And then Brett Favre, um, I, you know, again, I, I don't know if some of these guys like Favre and the Dixie chicks, like could say, Hey, I, I need to be in the news again because, you know, money's run out. Um, getting a little poor, you know, those Ringler commercials have only gone so far, you know, and I blew it all, you know, on some, you know, cheap women down in Mississippi or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know what Favre's thinking, but he turns around and comes out and he's like, well, Colin Kaepernick's a hero like Pat Tillman was. And I was just like, I do that. I, it boggled my, like I, I, I was speechless I was absolutely speechless. Um, and then he comes out and he does the Drew Brees on it, right? And then he comes out <laughs> and he apologizes later for it, which makes him look even worse. You know, it was like, dude, it would just have been better if you just shut up and didn't say anything to begin with. It's painful because, like, I love sports. I love sports. And it, it pisses me off because – I'm not going to have a whole lot to watch on TV because I don't know if I can get behind this. It's like Josh said, I could care less about the protesting. Hey, man, you want to protest? I don't give a shit if you want to burn the flag. Man, rock and roll. Help yourself. Knock yourself out. Just not on my time, right? Not with something that I pay for, a package that I pay for, that I pay to watch. Um, you know, not on my time. Go do that on your time. And so I've got a list real quick because now it's the hip thing to do, right, is to take the knee. Uh, so you've got the NFL – Women's soccer, which I didn't know they still played that. Uh, men's soccer, NASCAR, uh, have all changed their policies to allow kneeling during the, the national anthem. The Major League Baseball and NHL do not have a policy uh, for the national anthem, whether you do it or don't. And the only one that's in question now, I think, is the NBA, because I think the NBA actually has a very specific policy that you will stand for the national anthem. Um, so, you know, and that, that's where it goes back to what Josh said with the, with the Kaepernick thing. It's, Hey man, protest your ass off. Just don't do it on my time. I don't pay for my damn. Well, now I don't pay for it any, anymore. Anyway, I canceled the shit, but you know, as I watch the football games, I don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. I'm there to watch football. That's it. Not your protest. You want to go protest, go do it on your own time, you know, and, and you can get all the followers you want because I tell you as we, and this is a little off topic, but you see all these, you know, they're influencers, right? Because they've got like 10, 20, 30 million Instagram followers or whatever. Actually, you're not, you're not an influencer at all. Because if you were a true influencer, you could make changes and, and, and you can't and you don't. When you look at all of these popular people out there with the, you know, LeBron James and, uh, you know, Kaepernick's and Favre's and, and Favre. I mean, the last thing that I remember of Favre was like uh, when he was sent that chick like a, a dick pic or something like that. And she was like, yeah, that shit was like all shriveled up and gray. I mean, that's like the last thing I have uh, of fucking, you know, Brett Favre. But, you know, I it just it, it kills me because, I mean, one, I'm not going to have anything to watch, but go do it on your own time. You know, go do it on your own time. So that's, I think I'm done with sports, man. I mean, I, I think yeah. I, I think I'm done with it. I'll go back to watching my WWE. I mean, I know you guys, you know, think hey, that shit's fake, I, but it's fucking real, man. Dude, I, you know, I, Roger, you're always saying people vote my, my private, my, my private company and we vote with our wallets and I'm, I'm going to vote with mine, man. If I, if I get the hint of Absolutely. politics in anything, I'm done. I, I, I was on the fence with the NFL. I, I didn't watch it for a year. And then last year I watched a couple games and I, you know, my, my 
you know, my comfort zone, because I, I do, I, you know, at the beginning of the games, I like to see, you know, I like to hear the national anthem. I thought it was cool. The NASCAR, they pray. And I like that. It makes me feel good. I understand other people out there. They don't like that. And that's fine. They don't have to watch. Well, if you're going to make a big, you know, dog and pony show out of the thing, well, then I'm not going to watch. It's just that simple, man. We're, we all, we're all free to do it. But, you know, let me go back to Brett Favre again. You know, I want to read the tweet. Sorry. He, you know, his apology tweet, including Pat Tillman's name in the interview on Colin Kaepernick was not a comparison of the two, but a recognition that they both sidelined their football dreams in pursuit of a cause. Pat tragically lost his life, making the ultimate sacrifice and deserves the highest honor. OK, all right. I can get on board with that last sentence there. But, man, you know, for those of you who don't know, maybe, you know, who Pat Tillman is he, he uh Played for the Arizona Cardinals. He went to Arizona State. He was at the height of his career when he walked away from the NFL uh, after 9-11 and went and uh, he wanted to be an Army Ranger. And, of course, he's a professional athlete, and uh, he, he got into 75th Ranger Regiment. He was killed in Afghanistan, and there was a little bit of a, uh, little, little bit of a controversy there. Uh, he was killed by friendly fire, and unfortunately, a lot of people – uh, remember that McChrystal, you know, uh, fudged the paperwork or something. And then we found out it was friendly fire in my book. It doesn't matter, man. Friendly fire is part of combat. It just, it just is. He, he died a hero. He was at the height of his career. Colin Kaepernick was not that dude was, you know, he, he, he brought a different style of play uh, for a very short window within the NFL, all defenses adjusted for it. And then he was absolute dog shit. He, he wasn't that good. He, he really wasn't. Once the defense is adjusted to him, he wasn't that good. So that, that's the big difference. And Brett Favre, you know, he, he doesn't have room to talk about nothing when it comes to social justice. Dude played for the Atlanta Falcons. All right. You want to talk about heroes and all that stuff? You know, Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> they, they, they represent speciesism and species appropriation. Additionally, the city of Atlanta was once uh, part of the racist Confederate States of America and more recently was a safe haven for the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, but Luke, Luke, he played for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah. This team, Green Bay Packers, named after an Indian packing, the Indian packing company. Yeah, you you heard me right. Indian, unforgivably racist and insensitive. Oh, but he also played for the Vikings. Oh, yeah. That team that represents the anti-pacifist and pro-war oppressors and proponents of aggressive expansionist philosophy. You know, I think he played for the Jets, too. And those things belch car, you know, you know, they, they, they pollute the environment. Jets are the worst. So, you know, Brett Favre doesn't have any room to speak about heroes. The guy's a disgrace to social justice warriors everywhere, you know? And here's the thing with Kaepernick. And one last thing before I you know, kick it over to Josh. Let me break this down to everybody. I don't know how clear you know, we can be about this or how much clearer we can be about it. He quit. Okay, much like Luke did when he joined the military, he quit. All right, hey, at least I gave you credit for, for serving. All right, at least I gave you credit. I'd, we bust his balls, but you know we obviously bust his service a little bit. But Brutal. Uh, he had an option year. He had an extra year left on his contract. Kaepernick turned down that option year because he thought he was going to make more money as a free agent, and then nobody picked him up. And then, oh, by the way, uh, in 2018. Uh, John Elway came out, right, the VP of football operations for Denver, and said, oh, yeah, we actually offered Kaepernick a contract, and he didn't want to go play there. So don't tell me that the guy sacrificed football. I mean, one, I think he made over $25 million. So don't tell me he sacrificed his passion. He sacrificed his job. He got fired. He quit. 
He quit, and then he was given an opportunity to come back to go play for the Broncos. Guess what? He didn't want to go there. He didn't want to play football. It's just like every fucking body else out there that talk about, oh, it's racism, and it's statues, and it's it's police reform. No, it's not. That's not what you want. It's It makes you say, okay, here you go. We'll give you everything you want. You know what? They still won't be happy because that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. So, you know, my, that's my last piece of the Kaepernick thing. If you take anything away from this, just know, one, he quit. And he was offered a position to come back to play for Denver, and he chose not to. That's all I got on, on that, Josh. Yeah, um, you know, Ka- Kaepernick and Tillman not even remotely uh, ever in, in the same the, the same category, and people should 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 get their their names out of their mouths and when when they compare the two, um, it's absolute insanity. Yeah, so I'll uh, we'll wrap it up. At, you know, it's been a long one uh, on this one, but we had a lot uh, had a lot to talk about. Got a lot to say. Um, you know, so I'll I'll leave everyone with uh, with this. Um, you know, you go back, you know, all the way to to the revolution. There was one thing. You know, a lot of people didn't agree. Um, you know, there was obviously a lot of heated uh, heated debate, heated discussion, but but there was debate and discussion. Right. It wasn't, you know, one side just sat down and said, we're not going to talk to the other side. You know, that's what that's what got us to 1860. Um, And everybody knows knows what happened then, Um, you know, here on the cup. And, you know, we know a lot of our listeners have, uh, you know, have served to. Um, I'm telling you right now, we, you know, we, we have seen what happens when, you know, when people stop talking and people are unwilling to engage in, in civil discourse. Um, and I can tell you right now, that's not pretty. The aftermath is not pretty. That's how you get, that's how you wind up with mass graves. That's how you wind up with, you know, you go, go take a look at the Balkans, um, and, and then come back and tell me if that's what you want in, in America. Cause that's where we're headed. Um, and you know, it just, it breaks our hearts. Um, you know, t- to look at our country and see where it is right now and see that, uh, you know, a lot of people have, have gotten so far to the other sides of the political spectrum and nobody's willing to come to the center and talk anymore. Nobody's willing to walk across that aisle and try and engage in civil discourse. And, you know, that's absolutely how this country was, was founded, um, you know, when when everybody got together, everybody had some civil discourse. We put it together, we came up and said, "This is a constitution. This is how it's going to work." And everybody, you know, we had disagreements, and at the end of the day, you voted, and then those disagreements. All right, we're going to you know try and try our best to make this work. Um, and so, you know, if you want the opposite of that, if you want if you want war, then you know just know that your kids are going to see it with their own eyes. This isn't going to be fought in some far distant land, you know, where you're going to read about it in reports every now and then or see it on the news, you know, here and there. Like it's going to be in your front yards, and, and this is not what we want. This is not who we are. You're all Americans, and you better fucking start acting like it. So. Hey, what? That's going to do us for another episode on uh, on the cup again. We appreciate you listening. Um, so until next time, get your shit together. Have some civil discourse. <laughs> have some civil discourse with your neighbor. Make the world a little bit better place. Be a decent human being. And we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>